you know, uh, election petitions is trending today. And there's a whole lot of lawyers on the internet who are not lawyers. Bro, what is wrong with you? Good afternoon, my name is Tim Tyre and welcome to the Dirty Bike Podcast. I am here. Thank God for election petition. Otherwise you not have reached Abby. No. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite argument being put forward? Being put forward. Yeah, about the elections. Um, my favorite <laughs> arguments. I like all the arguments. I would say I think there's some really good arguments. This is what he does when he hasn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I like all. You know? All tw- you know? The whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. That just great imagery there. Exceptionally written. I don't think he knows the, I think he maybe he knows Genesis. He he probably doesn't. Yeah, he might not. He might he really might not. Um but that's also kind of bulletin when they asked him to pray. I don't know if it's that he just is He forgot or he never knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went there and started rapping. <laughs> but then again, it is Baba Blue. So um if you're listening to this and you still feel down about the elections, I just want to tell you take out, you know? There are actually some bright spots. I saved a whole bunch of bright spots. Anytime I saw election news that made me happy, I saved it in my folder of election bright spots. Like, let's see. There are five women who were elected into the Kwara State House of Assembly, including a 26-year-old Rukayat Shitu. Now, if you want to come and be a bearer of bad news and tell me that there were seven women there, like, in two electoral cycles ago, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, because right now, more than ever, we really need more women in our legislature, in our state houses, in our politics. Um, the numbers have been dwindling, which is literally the opposite of what's happening everywhere else in the world. So that made me happy to see young women, 20-something-year-olds, 20, 20 all over. There's a 20-something-year-old. I don't know if he's 23 or 26, but he defeated the Yobe, the Speaker of the um, State House of Assembly in Yobe States, who had been there for like 20 years. So that guy had been there since this boy <laughs> was in <a> reception. <laughs> so yeah, man, there is also a woman in the State of Assembly House of Assembly in Kaduna called Munira Suleiman Tanimu. So you guys, there are little, little bright spots, you know? So don't despair completely. That's all I can tell you. And uh, we will we will get into how we should get into politics a lot another time. Not on this podcast, but but today we're not talking about women who are doing the right thing, unfortunately. We're talking about women who have done the worstest. Who supports women's rights and wrongs. Um, not these wrongs. Can lie, not these ones. Uh, so, did you hear about? Did you hear about the Nigerian mafia boss, the woman who was recently extradited to Italy? No, but I know if there was any place for a Nigerian female mafia boss to kind of thrive, it would probably be Italy. Okay, so, so I'm going to talk about three criminals today. Three criminals, one Nigerian. 
and two American. Oh, I should have just made it one Nigerian, one Italian, one American, because there's a lot of crossover here. Also, I think it's. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know how much research we've done into this, but I would really, really, really love to hear the Nigerian Italian accent and what it sounds like. So we're going to talk about three women: Stephanie Saint Clair, Virginia Hill, and. Why is this her name? Charity Omori. Yeah. Are you ready for your facts? Uh, you have Virginia Hill, born in Alabama. Bama. She was born in Bama. She was a country Bama. She was a country girl, uh, grew up in debt poverty, ends up making a mark on the Chicago Mafia, New York Mafia, helping Las Vegas become what it is today. Ends up taking all the way to Washington, man, to kind of face Congress. So that lady did a lot. And then we're going to talk about Charity Omori, a.k.a. Jeff Joy. Joy. What can I say about this Edo lady? It's not like I'm giving a speech at her birthday. <laughs> Girl, ain't nothing good to say about this lady. Um, she left Nigeria a very long time ago, claimed to be seeking asylum in Italy, and ends up helping to run the quote-unquote Nigeria Mafia in Italy, which is essentially a network of what they call Nigeria co-fraternities. Uh, the United Nations, the reports often name blacks, Black Axe and I. Oh, I thought it was the FCC, but this makes more sense. Yeah, these are the old, often called cults or co-fraternities who essentially are right now the Nigeria Mafia, quote-unquote, in Italy and who work hand-in-hand with various branches of the Italian Mafia. Yeah, so... Sorry, I want to ask, which one of them was started by Wally Schenker? Oh, let me see. I do remember. I have a friend who's, I think her granddad or her dad. No, I think it was her granddad. And she was like, oh yeah, my granddad was one of the founding members of that, too, Wally Schenker. <laughs> yeah, so they were... Buccaneers? Pirates. Pirates, okay. The Pirates National Association of Sea Dogs. It's it's so sad. Nerdy as well. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it's just sad what it becomes, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so what so, was the initial? Were they like actual, just like actual friends? Yeah, yeah. Like based in universities, they're based in universities supposed to serve as like actual friends, but like with everything else in Nigeria, degradation and poverty and crime. It just turned into a criminal organization. Yeah, no. It spans many continents. Many, many continents. Okay. I know, yeah, there's a heavy presence in SA as well. Yeah. Good luck to those people. Let's go to our facts. Um, fact number one. Stephanie Sinclair, born in... 1897 in Guadeloupe. Guadeloupe, I love that. Yeah. That's Mexico. Guadeloupe is French Caribbean. The Guadeloupe or Guadeloupe? I don't know. West Indies. It's yeah, Guadeloupe, but it's I haven't heard it been. I've heard it be pronounced both ways. But uh, French Caribbean. She moved to America took on she ran the numbers game in harlem which i will explain what the numbers game is if you don't know it and the fact is that she took on dutch schultz do you know dutch schultz no it sounds like a dentist do you know lucky luciano i know lucky luciano okay so this is 
Yeah, this is the same era, right? Nineteen thirties. Yeah, yeah, nineteen thirties. And they wanted to move in on her turf. Different people were trying to move in on her turf, especially Dutch Schultz. He put a hit out on her. He got hit. <laughs> and she sent him a letter on his deathbed saying, As ye sow, so ye shall reap. Jesus. She outlived all of these men. And yeah, that's, that's just the fact. Like, they put out a hit on her. She was like, no man's going to kill me. You're going to die trying. And she lived to tell the tale, um, taking on different mafia groups, different bootleggers, and winning as a black woman in Harlem. Look how proud of her you sound. Uh, <laughs> that's fact one. Fact two. I just want to preface this fact by saying, do not listen to this podcast episode, this particular one with children. Okay. Um, fact two. Virginia Hill. Actually, I'll just change my fact because that fact is just too wild. But the rest of this episode is not PG, so just be warned, listeners. Virginia Hill, who grew up in Burma, moved to Chicago, becomes a waitress in. Do you know Frank Costello? Yeah. Chicago mom. <laughs> she moved to Chicago and works in Frank Costello's restaurant, moves up the ranks from a smuggler to being a lady being called to the back like being called she had a seat on the table and she got married to Bugsy Siegel do you know Bugsy Siegel? I know there's a Bugsy in every mob situation in America Virginia Hill was born in 1916 she ends up becoming a member of the Chicago mob and the New York mob and the Las Vegas mob and she used her looks to help the mob launder money and make ties in different markets you know what I call that? what? upward mobility oh my god she was described as the intellectual director of the Chicago mob's narcotics trafficking ring and this is the fact one day she was accused by a wife of one of the mobsters as being nothing more than a whore and she said bet and then proceeded to give a blowjob to every man in the room Jesus I'm not okay. I get why you she said sexual favor <laughs> she then proceeded to give a sexual favor to perform a sexual favor perform a sexual favor on every man in the room so you know, the kids can come back in now okay <clears throat> which one do I think I think this is the dirty like this one you just okay because I, I haven't even said the third one. <laughs> oh, well I think this is the one I 100% believe the okay should I say the last fact yeah say the last fact but know that this is my choice pending I mean tentatively okay and fact three, Charity Omori, also known as Jeff Joy, is a madame and member of the Nigerian Mafia who was recently, in 2023, early 2023, extradited to Italy for her crimes in kidnapping, slavery, and sex trafficking. And the fact is that she was one of the top 10 people on Italy's most wanted list since 2010 when she ordered the killing 
of a young 18 year old Italian like white Italian girl who was killed um, she was one of the like drug mules in Italy so what is true and what is vadate lie okay this kind of muddies it because it's hard for me to imagine Italian sanctioning the death of one of their own from a black person. How did they sanction it? Now? I said she was on the most wanted list. She was she was one of the top ten most wanted people in Italy. What is? Yeah. yeah but... And they had to extradite her from Nigeria, and it no. took twelve years. I'm saying like the mob. Wouldn't the mob have helped her? Or was this like independent of them? What do you mean? Now we're getting into details. So let's. <laughs> okay, I stick with my answer. So what's your answer? It's the one about sexual favor. That's the one that's in there. Okay. That one is not a lie. One thing about Virginia is that she lived. Let's start with Virginia, actually. Let's start with something that is going to make it a little bit lighter, I guess. I have videos also that I can show you of Virginia Hills. Uh, She's cute. Yeah. No, first of all, she was very, real cute. She was a redhead. She had the body of a queen, I've heard. Um, and she had a very feisty wit. Which you can see from historical videos of her because she was called to testify in front of Congress, like in front of Congress in America, as part of a look into mob activities. And she basically just portrayed herself to just be Bugsy Siegel's babe. You know, like, I don't know anything. Oh, I don't know anything. They're like, you know, they're trying to figure out because they knew she was a courier and they're trying to figure out like what role she played. So like high involvement level? Yeah, and she just played dumb. She was just like, oh, I was just a lowly girlfriend. And they ask her, oh, did they can be like, did Lucky Luciano give you money? She's like, she's like I don't know who that man is. <laughs> they be like, Frank Custer. She's like, I mean, I know Frank, but I don't like him. <laughs> like, that's how she was doing. Like, I'll just give you examples. Like, the, the person who they asked her, it was somebody, they said his, like, more blame. And she was like, oh, Charlie. I know Charlie, but I don't like him. <laughs> I'm not going to take money from Charlie. I don't like him. They're like, nobody gave you money. She's like, me. Money? Never, right? Um, <laughs> she's like, the only person who gave me money was Bugsy because he was my man. And funny thing is that they're asking her all these questions, and even from the questions, she can kind of tell that like she's going to be in trouble afterwards because they know too much. Like the fact that they know that she knows these many different mobsters from different places in the country was like her sign that she should jackpot. So she actually left the country Austria she went to Austria she managed to marry an Austrian in between all this happening and she ran away to Austria with her son and she ends up dead not too long afterwards Austrian authorities ruled it as suicide from an overdose of sleeping pills and she had apparently tried to kill herself multiple times before this Um, she said she was just tired of living life and she was tired of running away from the mob and from the government yeah so very 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 sad like she didn't live to see 50 but she lived many lives a very colorful life so virginia was one time called the queen of the mob and she was a courier and entrusted courier money launderer for mobsters and gangsters from the mid 1930s through to the 1940s she was often described as possibly bipolar or with like borderline personality disorder or worse she grew up in a very poor family with a lot of siblings 
drugs and her dad was abusive and she left home by the age of 14 so very young and she moves to chicago while she gets to chicago she becomes a waitress in a restaurant owned by frank costello who was a member of the chicago mob she uses her looks her talent for money laundering and her wit and essentially becomes very infamous in the underworld at the time they send her at one point in time to new york to help them network and also to help them keep an eye on a man so she's supposed to go to new york to keep an eye on one man that's where she meets boxy seagull because she starts hooking up with his rival this gets her thrown out of the mob for a while and she's like not in the good graces of like frank costello and the people back in chicago because they're like we asked you to go to new york to look out for us you went there to go have cause wahala <laughs> carrying that you're ready to go ahead <laughs> So she went to New York. She caught some serious wahala, but that's where she meets Bugsy Siegel, who become what she, yeah, her man, or who she she describes as like her true love. But when she falls out with the mob, it's not a very good time for her. She was making, she was like a millionaire. She was making a lot of money, but then she obviously got in trouble with this Bugsy affair, right? She then goes to marry this Mexican man. The Mexican man wants passports. Ask me what she wants out of this. To learn Spanish because she wanted to help the Chicago mob make inroads with the Mexican drug cartel. That is how she comes back into the good graces of the Chicago mob. Her Mexican husband teaches her Spanish. She learns enough to be like conversational enough and comes back to the Chicago mob and is like, yo, I've made some ties with some narcotics, trafficking, drug cartel guys in Mexico. I got you. Yeah. And literally, like they bring her in and they're like, wow, like what can't you not do? As in, I'm sure there was just one person in the mob just hitting like she can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> yes. So that's why she gets described. Um, she becomes described as the intellectual director of the Chicago Outfits Narcotics Trafficking Ring, and she made all the financial and social contacts for them and entered like Mexican high society through her husband and like she's just this like at the same time right Bugsy has left New York and gone to Vegas Vegas is he the first casino ever that's opened is the Flamingo like he essentially puts down what would become the Las Vegas strip it's a bit of a crazy guy uh, Bugsy I'm not really gonna get into him because we're talking about Virginia and a lot of times people only tell her story in relation to his because you know women yeah so she's made ties with the Mexican drug cartel when Bugsy moves from New York she's able to also maintain ties with Bugsy in Hollywood so essentially she's helping the Chicago mob build a national network or even international network right they now have like ties with New York Chicago has ties with New York has ties with Vegas has ties in California and has ties in Mexico and Virginia Hill is a significant player in this essentially she's the plug She's the plug. But yeah, that sexual favor story is apparently true. Uh, she was not afraid to... She said that men were not to be loved, that they were to be used, and that she would use her looks 
and her body. and her body and men's attraction to her to get what she wanted and she did not care i think the only man she could have probably claimed to love was probably her son mm. not bugsy so she she does describe Bugsy in terms that are like very endearing and close to love but I mean she could have loved him let me let me tell you how Bugsy died and why that's why I would say maybe it was her son Bugsy used to beat on her their relationship was very tumultuous I would definitely say like they were infatuated with each other um she followed him to Vegas Uh, a lot of people do claim that he named the flamingo after her but it might not be the case there's um some sources that say that the flamingo was already called the flamingo before Bugsy took over but his nickname for her was Flamingo. And he she moved to Vegas. She hated a Vegas life. She was far away from like the mob <laughs> activities. Bugsy was doing a very bad job with running the Flamingo. And so the mob actually put out a hit on him. And a lot of people think that Virginia helped the mob take him out. Um, but there's also the thing of Bugsy was beating her up. And her brother came to warn Bugsy not to lay a hand on his sister anymore and her brother was in the house when Bugsy got shot and Virginia left town like a few days before so people do think that like she was at least involved in the setup yeah and the fact of like her brother said to stop beating my sister and he did not stop and the mob was out for him and he was shot by a sniper so there's a lot there's a lot there <laughs> a lot to unpack there but let's not I don't want to focus too much on Bugsy since we're talking about Virginia but yeah this is right before she comes under the scrutiny of like the senate committee in America uh, Bugsy's death kind of is becomes infamous and he becomes like a very infamous mobster and Virginia does becomes like infamous as well by proxy you know by being attached to Bugsy but before she was attached attached to Bugsy she was doing her own do Um, and yeah that's essentially Virginia Hill without me going too much into detail I already said how she died (laughs) she is one lady one lady who using pretty privilege and sense managed to make inroads with the Chicago mob, the New York mafia, the Los Angeles mob and Mexico cartels. You know what's crazy is that these are links that still exist till today. Yeah, bro. The pioneer. She was a pioneer. Okay, let's talk about Charity Omori and the case which was a lie, but which is first of all, everybody in this story, the names are Charity there's two luckies and there's one innocent <laughs> which is to say mm. that well lucky wasn't it wasn't it was like a there are people named lucky no i know i know i know but it, lucky luciano is is our lucky no uh, this story about charity omori involves two different luckies Oh, I didn't Nigeria. Yes. Well, that's what we were talking about Lockheed. No, and the sad thing is, like, even even our governor, former governor of Edo State, too. There's a Nigerian artist called Lucky Dube. I know Lucky Dube. I don't know Lucky Dube. Okay, don't mean that's from the pod. They'll say that while I GR, they were disconnected from the. It's not my fault, yeah, we cannot speak you, bro. I've told you. <laughs> it's also not my fault, Tim, too, I can't speak you, bro. Well, not all of us are the same. They didn't burn us together, Joe. 
God, when I see my God, who does not let you shame me on this podcast. You can't keep us. It's lucky. But we're not talking about that. Let's talk about Charity Amari, also known as Joy Jeff or Jeff Joy. Um, in a lot of articles about this lady, they have been calling her Jeff Joy or Joy Jeff. And I feel like they think that is her name, but that is not her name. That is her street name. She was born Charity Amori in 1975 in Edo State. In 1995, seeking asylum, she arrived in Ravenna, Italy, and she was granted asylum. Um, She said she had been trafficked and she wished to have asylum. Over the years, Charity Omori becomes Jeff Joy or Madame. She recruits numerous girls to be sexually exploited in Italy and Europe. So not just Italy, but in other countries. Like, I can't believe her network. Um, Because of her illicit activity, she was placed on the list of the 10 most wanted criminals in Italy. And when some of the members of her criminal network were arrested, she absconded and was later tried and convicted in Italy in absentia after failing to comply with court summons. Now, the National Agency for the Prohibition of Trafficking in Persons, NAPTIP, in Nigeria, said that their operatives had not one of Italy's most wanted human traffickers, um, Charity Omori, or Jeff Joy. Joy Jeff. That lady has no joy. Um, She had been sentenced over 10 years ago in Italy, and they had been looking for her, and nabbed it with help from DSS, our friends. (laughs) Uh, They found her in Bini City, in Edo State, and they and after the formal uh, request for extradition of her in May 2022 um, literally they they made the formal request May 2022 June 2022 they picked up (laughs) the reason why I put that lie in her story is because I'm going to talk to you about another case the one with the luckies and the innocent but yeah she is now in Italy Bro, like I saw the video and she was like, have you seen the video of her arrest? It kind of went viral on Twitter because you see her like kind of like limping and acting like, you know, the theatrics that Nigerian criminals do when they when they get called to court. I'm not going to name any names. She's cute though. This lady looks... She looks evil. Have you seen the... She, she doesn't look evil. That's the, that's the thing about face of evil. Like, she's just... I, I mean, we'll post this picture on her. Yeah, she just looks like she's going... This picture that they use in her, her, her wanted poster, she just looks like she's going to an OMB. Like, she's just in her gilly with her gold. You wouldn't know that she's... The national criminal. She was on the Interpol red list. She was known for enacting acts of violence, not only on the girls that she trafficked, but on their family back home. They lived under threats. So this is not like, you know, like she's she's seen as very high level in what is described as the Nigerian mafia in Italy. And when they say my Nigerian mafia, they mean organized crime. But like the Africa report, for example, names the co-fraternities that I was talking about, the Black Axe, Black Axe and Aie. As Aie. Is it Aie? I'm pretty sure it's Aie because of... Because of the artists that, yeah, because it's I, yeah, it wasn't I mean life, yeah, but um, yeah, I, 
there's a as in what? I know your brother was tempted. Stop trying to teach me a language you can't speak. Really? Okay. Is this supreme air? Just air. Oh, I know about black accent here, but this essentially they form, they help form a network of Nigerian gangsters across Italy, Spain and the Netherlands and a huge part of their profits come from trafficking drugs and trafficking women and then all of these women actually do come from South South and Edo State in particular which is where the um that bad what's the thing like that bad stereotype of birthday of the Benin girls and the prostitutes that's where that comes from um these are trafficked women according to the international organization for migration eight out of ten nigerian women who enter europe illegally could be victims of sexual exploitation um often underage they're indebted to the people who have trafficked them yeah so you have a network of nigerian gangsters in europe and they mostly make their money from the trafficking of women and the trafficking of drugs. This is a problem that we've had in Nigeria for a long time, especially in, I'd say, like, Nadu State, the South-South, and it's something that different Nigerian, what do you call them, Nigerian Nigerian presidents, even firstly, have tried to tackle while in office. So we're going to talk about one case that happened in Italy, the murder of Pamela Mastro Pietro. And you're looking to that pronounce it in things that you should have no business knowing how to put it out. <laughs> and then I get to English words and then I stumble. Okay, <laughs> like the episode where we did an episode on jo- on Job Masako, and I kept saying Job Masako because I read it instead of like heard it, and I just couldn't get my brain to stop calling Job Job. Did I try to correct it? You tried your hardest, your absolute hardest. I like it's a it's a thing, you know. If if we've only read words, or like especially if, with this podcast, when I do a lot of research, I'm reading and I, my brain just gets used to pronouncing something a certain way. So I can even like watch a documentary or listen to something and I hear it being pronounced the right way but my brain finds it so difficult to self-correct. Like the full pronunciation is stuck in my head. But yeah, let's talk about Pamela Mastro Pietro. You know Avion Francais? Like, mm-hmm. You know I used to call it Avion No, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> no, you did not. I just read it like that, like, and I was half asleep, and in my head, that's what... Like, oh my god. Oh, yeah. It's like Mako or Mako, um, which, I don't know, I haven't heard the owners pronounce it, so I, whoever, whatever vibe, the vibe is out there, that's what I'm pronouncing it as. I've never been. Really? Yeah, it seems really, like, posh, and not... You're not a man of the people. You are not a man of the people. It is. I'm sure you guys enjoy. I'm sure it's good for your voice. You cannot shame. It's just not for me. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I promise. I'm on your side. I see what you're saying. You cannot shame the shameless. And I'm just saying it's just not my thing. It is exactly my thing. Yeah, no, I get that. I it is quiet. I like power. Mm. Turkey and beer. Mm-hmm. Same oil used to fry like 17 turkeys. I like quiet. So, like, 
you're, not, you're not gonna find me in RSVP either unless I've been requested there. What's that? That's where I, I see you often. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, let's go back to this case because the case the, we're having fun. This case is not fun. Mm. Um, it really shows the depravity, like the level of criminality that is involved in the drug trade and the human trafficking trade and the Nigerian gangs of Europe. So Pamela was an 18-year-old Italian woman who was last seen on the 29th of January 2018. She was murdered soon after in Maserata, Italy. And her murderers, or her murderer, singular, was a Nigerian drug dealer named Innocent Osegali. Now, Innocent's roommate, who ends up testifying against him, is an, Ita- is an Italian man who is an Italian drug dealer who is a member of the Italian mafia. To let you know how close the ties are with the Nigerian criminal underworld and the Italian criminal underworld, you have people in different gangs, Nigerian gang and Italian gang, who are roommates, <laughs> right? Essentially, the reason why Mastro Pietro's uh, death becomes huge is because not only does Innocent, his name is Innocent for crying out loud, uh, who was a failed asylum seeker in Italy, not only did he kill her, but he also dismembered her body. And they entered Italian uh, media with some sources claiming that he ate her heart as part of like a ritualistic killing. And then it becomes this very, as you can imagine, racially charged case with the Italian right wing taking it up um, in the anti-migrant movement. Obviously, as you can imagine, there's a lot of specific anti-black hate in Italy, but you also have specific anti-Nigerian hate because you do have the drug and human trafficking world, which is obviously run by the Italian mafia, but in collusion with the Nigerian gangs. And so you have a lot of anti-Nigerian sentiment happening and anti-migrant sentiment in general. This girl's death was absolutely horrible and before she died because i did say that um before she died innocent had these two other friends do you call them friends who were charged with him you have desmond lucky and lucky awelima all three nigerians 22 27 and the innocent was 29 they were believed to have Desmond Lucky and Lucky Awelima. So the two Luckies were believed to have at different points in time taken advantage of this girl while they had drugged her up. She was in a drug rehab. She was a drug addict. She was in a drug rehab. Um, She escaped her rehab craving drugs. They found her in the park and that's the last she was seen alive. Um, It is said that then they then took her to or Innocent himself took her to his apartment and that's the last place and that's the last anyone ever saw her. His roommate, Giovanni. Sorry. His roommate is not Giovanni. His roommate is... Um... Should I just say any random Italian name? <laughs> Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, Close. Michelangelo. <laughs> Starts with V. Hmm? Starts with V. Vincenzo. His roommate, Vincenzo, was called as a key witness. Oh, this wasn't his roommate. This was his cellmate. Vincenzo Marino was, in a sense, cellmate. And he said um, that 
um, yeah, so he said that uh, Innocent had said that the girl did not die of a heroin overdose as he had told police that he had stabbed her and then he had asked a friend to help him get rid of the body. So either one of the luckies and that when he came back, uh, he realized that she was possibly still alive and just began dismembering her while she was still showing signs of life. They uh, said that these men, the two luckies and the innocent, they're part of the criminal underworld in, in Italy, um, the Nigerian mafia in Italy. And yeah, the reason I actually found this case is because it was tried in Maserata, which is near where the Jeff Joy's original arrest warrant came from. So I was just looking at Nigerian criminal activity in that area. And this came this case came up. Um, the case became a cause celebre, as you can imagine, for the right wing in Italy to the point where a right-wing terrorist in 2018 called um, Luca Triani, he opened fire on a group of migrants, of a group of six, just a day drive-by shooting, just so African standing, and opened fire with a semi-automatic pistol on six African migrants standing by road in what he said was a revenge attack for the murder of Pamela. And the very weird thing about this is, you know the Christchurch mosque shootings that happened in New Zealand? The white right-wing terrorist there wrote this Triani's name on his gun as one of, like, right-wing shooters he was honoring. It's so crazy how, he, like... The internet allows us so much, but it's like it's crazy that it's the fastest way to spread bad ideas. Bro, a guy shooting up a church in New Zealand is writing up writing the name of a terrorist shooting at random Africans in in Italy in a random town in Italy. Like, who is doing it to to get back at? G- g- criminals who in the news are being said to be cannibals like it's really it's um <laughs> okay so that is the case of the nigerian mafia lady and let me just do a quick rundown of stephanie sinclair so stephanie sinclair was born in guadalupe or guadalupe depending on if tim Ta and i are pronouncing it um sometime in 1890s and she died in december 1969 she was a prominent black woman of african descent she was a racketeer she ran the numbers game which is essentially like a lottery slash communal gambling game like you know people bet on the whole you know like what the numbers of the day are going to be is can be debited by the stock market or the horse races or whatever but everybody essentially pays let's say two cents says i think the numbers today are going to be five seven four and then if the stock market closes at five seven four i win a certain amount of money like a, it's like a lottery sort of system she ran the numbers game in harlem and at first when she was running the numbers game people one were surprised that a woman was running it but she left home really young. She was born to a single mother. I believe she left home at the age of maybe nine or 15. Like before, she sub 16. Like when she was still quite young. And she moved to Canada from Guadalupe to work as a domestic. And she spoke French, obviously, because she came from a French 
colonized island. She spoke French, moved to Canada, to Quebec, and then ends up moving to New York. Along the way, picks up skills. It's seen as very fancy for the day, because you imagine this is in early 1900s, and she speaks French. She's a black woman who's speaking French. So she seems quite sophisticated uh, to the average black people to the average black person in New York at that time she seemed quite um, sophisticated speaking multiple languages being like well traveled um, being an immigrant somehow somehow because I'm gonna rush through this because we spent a lot of time on the other ones Um, she manages to become Queenie they used to call her Queenie or Madame Queen or Madame St. Clair or queen of the policy rackets. She becomes incredibly wealthy building this racketeering, uh, this numbers empire. And at this time, she was also seen as like a woman of the people. You know, like she wasn't doing things that were like necessarily violent. She wasn't like taking out hits on anyone. She was just making her money. She apparently lived in the same building as W. Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> she wore like fur coats like she was just seen as just like exotic like she was just a cool lady man like she was running the game but obviously she's running numbers and hello she has to be tough like there's the- she was definitely getting down and dirty but she was seen as a woman of the people she also used to take out ads in the newspaper talking about like black people's rights talking about how police is corrupt like any Anytime she had a problem, she's going to pay for an ad in the paper and she's going to sign her name to it. So when this Schultz guy, so essentially what happens is towards the end of Prohibition, when Prohibition ends, all these guys who had been bootleggers, moonshine, like, you know, selling moonshine, selling illegal alcohol, their main source of money dries up immediately. Because once alcohol is, for anyone who doesn't know, prohibition is the era in America where alcohol was selling and consuming alcohol was illegal. So once it is legalized again, all these people who have essentially made a fortune selling alcohol, who have built these criminal worlds by selling alcohol, have no... They've become irrelevant. Yeah, they've become irrelevant. So this Schultz guy looks to his side of Harlem and he sees this lady who is making crazy bank. And he's just like, what's a black woman making that type of, doing making that type of money? I want that racket. And he comes on like a violent tip. And she was just like, I'm not afraid of any man. And like, if he was really about it, he himself should step into Harlem. At one point in time, he tried to take out, he sent someone to kill her. And obviously that didn't work. And I think she killed the person herself or got her bouncer slash boyfriend slash companion to, to take care of it. Who was called Bumpy, <laughs> Bumpy Johnson. I know Bumpy Johnson. <laughs> you know Bumpy Johnson? Yeah, because again, this is... In like these guys all existed at the same time as Lucky Luciano. Yeah. Yeah. So in the TV show Boardwalk Empire, Bumpy Johnson was the king of Harlem. Okay, so yeah, he becomes the king when she retires. Like it's it's her empire he's taking. She was the queen, and Bumpy was just like her enforcer. Like she just picked him up along the way. Like Bumpy, that's so crazy. I didn't like so. For me, I only know Bumpy in relation to Stephanie Sinclair because she builds this 
his empire that she then hands to him essentially um but yeah bumpy is her like boo her chief enforcer for a while um and yeah this is a lucky this is right before lucky comes in um when schultz is trying dutch schultz is trying his hardest to take over i think schultz is, is that like irish or something show um so anyways schultz puts she's making over like twenty thousand dollars a year in the 1920s i'm not sure what that is in today's money but it's a lot of money you guys it's a lot of money it's millions and she has enemies everywhere did you say twenty thousand a year a day how much is it? 20,000 a year. A year. Yeah. I was about to pass out. No, but like this money she was making, I was a lot of money for then. You, you know, when I was describing her in the beginning, you said, uh, like, I sound proud, but it's because she was taking out all these ads, educating people in Harlem about their legal rights, mm-hmm. advocating for voting rights for black people calling out police brutality in the black community like she was taking a stand like she once uh spoke on a panel about speaking about how corrupt the police were and she named police officers that she would bribe saying how much she bribed them she was just like this thing they're pretending to now care about or like they're pretending to care but they're on my payroll and she named them at a hearing and because of that like the mayor literally had to quit the mayor of new york had to quit so like this was not a small girl (laughs) and but she kind of decides that she wants to retire as a like go clean and retire um she's getting old and especially after the um dutch shorts issue because the dutch shorts trying to come into harlem ends up becoming a war like she sends up her people to mash up the businesses of people who take numbers from white people like it, it ends up becoming an all-out war you know that obviously he puts a bounty on her head so i think she has to go into hiding for a while there's many attempts on her life but then also just shows at this time is fighting with the lucky luciano mafia and so the mob take out a hit on him he gets shot gets put in hospital and while he is in hospital she does send him a very infamous telegram saying French American French black American accent is you know from the 1920s are you trying to kill me <laughs> I can't do a voice now, sir. oh no so the telegram says as ye sow so shall ye reap full stop and the telegram reportedly made headlines across America um she becomes less and less involved um in the numbers game she marries a guy uh, and she gives um and, Bum- and bumpy basically takes over the and becomes king of harlem the guy she marries was known his name was sufi abdul hamid he was known as the black hitler that's a bad thing to he was anti-semitic and he had very Nazi-like tendencies. He was a militant activist. And he was leader of an Islamic Buddhist cult. Apparently, <laughs> he had an affair with a fortune teller known as Fu Fatam. So we Hmm? Really? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Apparently, her original name was Dorothy Matthews, but she changed her name to Fu Fatam. She was a black fortune teller. And he, anyway, so he cheats on her with this priestess. He goes and fa- founds a Buddhist, Islamic Buddhist temple with this woman. And St. Clair goes and shoots him. <laughs> 
and kills him. God. Um, she shot him and wait, what did? Did she kill him? I don't know. I don't know if she killed him, but she shot him and she ends up in being um, sentenced to pr- um, prison time for that. Um, and after she gets out of prison, she just lives very quiet, secluded life. And she was reportedly had transitioned from being an underworld figure to being a legitimate, prosperous businesswoman. And she continued to write columns and take out her ads in the newspaper about police brutality and discrimination against black people and issues facing the black community. She died quietly and wealthy. Quietly and wealthy. That's how everyone should die. That's how everyone should die. In an ideal world, quiet and yeah it's so crazy like you know bumpy after being king of harlem actually came back to live with her right before his death and he came back to live with her and write poetry and just i did not know there were gangsters who got to retire (laughs) for a long time that's the whole that was the point of miami and cuba really yeah gangster retirement especially um like florida especially it was just like a huge haven for ex ex-gangsters oh wow and now it is the white the Forbes 30 under 30 list (laughs) what is that where all the young young criminals go I'm just joking haven't you heard the joke about how Forbes 30 under 30 is now like a 100% (laughs) the the pipeline (laughs) the Forbes to prison pipeline it's it's more than a coincidence at this point it's like I mean because you pay to be on it so the type of people who would pay do they recognize people that don't pay to be on it yeah like you can get recognized without paying but a lot of people also pay to be recognized and so I assume that a certain type of person like if you're doing fraud you would love that type of recognition it will help you in your fraud so but yeah guys that is today's episode on women doing wrong bad bad women just you know criminality no get gender but that's also not true because men are men are always always gonna be worse let's 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 keep by disposition just because i guess we live in the patriarchal society that puts men in more positions of power which leaves us more likely to abuse it no. Socialized no. You think men are just like. I think there is something. Design. No, I think there's something very wrong with how we raise men. Yes, because. No, it's not about being the lead. It's not about abuse of power. But I like. Think about serial killers, mass murderers, terrorists. They usually lean one direction. Okay. Um. Well, like, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode i don't know if that's the right thing to say (laughs) right i mean i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you learned something i hope you're taking something from it um if you guys want us to talk about anything in particular you can always reach us on our social media at dirty lie pod on twitter and at the dirty lie podcast on instagram and soon tiktok but yeah I just want you guys to know that you can always reach out to us if you want us to talk about a topic or if you're interested in something or if you heard something and you'd like us to discuss it more just let us know and remember to share this episode with your people yeah your co-workers your friends your sneaky link and your boo thing have a lovely week guys bye
Bye.